This program is brought to you from Wisconsin Eyes Margaret Farrow Studio. This week on Rewind, your week in review. Republican Tim Michaels signals support for a host of reforms during an appearance at the Rotary Club. We have some of his main takeaways. Plus, staffing levels and claims of a backlog at the Department of Justice are emerging issues defining the Attorney General's race. We hear from both candidates on the topic. And we're tracking where and how much campaigns are spending on ads in the final weeks before the midterm. All this and more on Rewind, your week in review for October 21st. Hi, I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm J.R. Ross. J.R., first this week we're going to talk about an appearance that Tim Michaels had at the Rotary Club in mm-hmm. Milwaukee. We've seen other candidates uh, have their kind of speech uh, either taking questions from a panel or taking questions from audience members. And this one was about Tim Michaels. Uh, U.S. Senator Ron Johnson also had one a few weeks ago, and so did Governor Tony Evers. Um, during his questions uh, at the at the event, uh, Michaels said he was open to a lot of things. Uh, in general, he said that he wants to ha- maybe consider dismantling Milwaukee public schools. He signaled support for a Republican bill that would do that. It didn't get anywhere last year, but it was introduced um, back in February. He also uh, suggested a, a dividing up the DNR into two different parts. That's something that's been discussed also in the Capitol for several years, but has not been successful. Scaling back unemployment benefits. And then he also kind of made some news before his campaign walked back on the abortion issue. Michael said he would never arrest a doctor, kind of suggesting that he wouldn't enforce Wisconsin's 1849 criminal abortion ban. But later, his campaign spokeswoman walked back those comments saying, you know, the DA's job is to enforce the law. Governor Michaels is not going to go out and put handcuffs on doctors. Um, uh, Also, uh, I asked him when he was leaving the event, you know, during last week's debate, he didn't really answer whether or not he would accept the results of the November election. He did clarify saying, quote, certainly he would accept the results. So a lot of little news pegs there, Jr. Before we kind of get into um, what these all mean, let's kind of just take a listen from Michaels on the DNR issue and abortion as well. Here's my position on abortion. I have said that if the legislature puts a bill on my desk and in it is an exception for rape and incest, that I would sign that. Why is that? I'm not an authoritarian governor. I'm a governor who is common sense, who listens to the people. And the legislature is the representation, the representatives of the people. So if that's, if that's what the legislature puts on my desk, I will sign that. You know, I am not against contraception, as they're saying. I will never arrest a doctor, as they're saying. Uh, I'm a reasonable guy. I believe the people at the DNR need to be recalibrated as to what I said earlier about who their customers are. Their customers are the businesses, people that pay taxes, people that want to expand their business. And the customers are hunters. Go talk to some hunters. They, they don't feel like the DNR has their back right now. They feel like the DNR is out to get them. I'm going to sit down with the DNR and all state agencies, recalibrate them, let them know who their customers are. I'm well aware that we need to have a very strong secretary of the DNR. I'm going to surround myself with great people, strong people. We're going to have an outstanding administration, and people will not have questions anymore about the DNR nor any other state agency. So, J.R., Michael saying he's open to things is a common thing that he's said throughout his campaign. He's a challenger, right? He's allowed to say these things. Um, but the problem is he says sort of 
I'm open to dismantling Milwaukee public schools or I want to reform criminal justice system. It's it's the follow-ups that we don't get, the, the, the details of how he would do this. Um, but he's in a position where he can say that. He doesn't have a record as a lawmaker or what he can go on of, of what he would do when it comes to saying uh, these certain type of things. Part of it is the any income or any challenge or the whole thing is disqualify the incumbent, right? So for Michaels, he can kind of like hint at things that he would be open to without having to provide a specific plan. He doesn't have a budget, for example, for us to look over like every key detail of what he's going to spend uh, the next biennium. Evers has those things. He's got two budgets under his belt, granted. They're written quite a bit by Republicans after he submitted things and they took a lot of this stuff out. But he has those things that, that record to run on. It's the opportunity for any, any challenger to try and disqualify the incumbent and say, I would be a better alternative. And if you look at both that and the debate performance that he had, which we'll talk about later on, he doesn't offer a lot of specific. He doesn't get into details. I mean, he's got plans. He's got blueprints for, you know, hiring more police. But you don't see him say, for example, how he'd fund that, right? So shared revenue. Open to increasing it. Open to Milwaukee raising a local sales tax, Milwaukee County, to um, fund things, but doesn't commit to anything because he doesn't have to. It's part of being a challenger. Right. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Attorney General's race. Now, there's kind of two issues that we're going to hit on in this race. Um, Republican candidate Eric Toney, who is the current Fond du Lac District Attorney, he has been criticizing his opponent, Democrat uh, Attorney General Josh Call, over staffing levels at the DOJ. And then this week, he also recently alleged of a backlog at the Internet Crimes Against Children's Unit, which is basically a task force that investigates uh, child sex predators' activities online. Now, during Tony's press conference uh, on the Capitol Square outside the Fred Risser Justice Center, he was asked very a lot of follow-ups by us reporters, where's your proof, where's your evidence? And he basically said, well, I want the media to, the, to do their job. You know, go, go march up there and try to get some answers. He did send a records request that he is alleging that there's a backlog of roughly about 1,000 cases in this system. So uh, that same day, Call was in Milwaukee. Uh, we had a photographer go. I had him ask these questions. Call never really answered the question of, is there a backlog or not? So that is still on the table. But Call basically said that all of these claims lag evidence that my opponent is kind of saying things without having the facts. So let's first uh, listen from Tony and then Call's response in Milwaukee on this issue. Last week on Thursday, we sent an open records request to the attorney general demanding that they release the information on this backlog so that the people of Wisconsin can know just what is happening at our Department of Justice. And I expect that those of you here in the media will be going up to the attorney general's office today asking for that information. Well, first, um, this is consistent with an unfortunate pattern that we've seen from Eric Tony, which is that he will make accusations before he knows the facts. Uh, he was recently making accusations about staffing at DOJ, and he was fact-checked in real time by the moderator in the debate we had, uh, which showed that he was just lying about the facts. Here again, he's making accusations without knowing the facts of the matter. So kind of how I led this conversation is that we've seen staffing levels uh, that Tony has really focused on as part of his campaign, but he hasn't always been accurate with those specific facts. Uh, during his press conference, he also still said there's a, up to a 30% vacancy rate when it comes to DCI agents. Um, that's actually not the case when you get the statistics from DOJ. He's now alleging of a backlog but doesn't have proof. So he's trying here to have a central theme, but will it work? Well, it's because Tony has no money. He's not on paid media, so he's trying to get earned media. Uh, looking at the ad buys and the AG race, he has a minimal presence on the air right now. Now, the Republican Attorney General's Association is doing ads for Tony, really attacking Josh Call. 
Um, new one I saw this week tries to link call to the parole commission thing. That's been a big issue in the governor's race and the Senate race that Josh Call left a chair empty. Essentially, we didn't show up for victims' families to try and prevent people from being released. Now, um, we've also seen ads this week, for example, uh, going after Eric Tony. There's a new one from a Democratic group that looks at his record and says that Tony was in over his head, even as uh, DA. It says that he, for example, let some guy loose, who then went and killed a firefighter. Uh, the kind of case got some attention up there in the Fox Valley. So the ad wars are dominating the conversation about this race. Eric Tony, short of resources, is trying to get free media. And in the end, I don't think it, it matters because these guys are being so overshadowed by the spending in the governor's race and the Senate race. The governor's race is one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive in the country. The Senate race is right up in the top six or seven, I think it is. It's about four as yeah. of last week. Yeah. So they're just not breaking through and they're running ads late. Um, Raga for Tony did get up in September, but it hasn't been able to sustain it in a way that is really heavy. Uh, looking at the gross ratings points, which is the number of times the ads run, Call and his associates have a much uh, a huge advantage over Tony and those backing him. And it's a lot of talk for saying it might just be a generic ballot race. It might just be if Tony Evers wins, Josh Call wins, if uh, Tim Michaels wins, then Eric Tony wins. Because really in talking to people, this is the race they have the least good feel for, right? Josh Call has been attorney general for almost a full term. I'm going to bet you his name ID is not very high. AGs don't typically have a high profile in Wisconsin. It's a tough thing to do. Uh, Jim Doyle did it quite well 20 years ago. But since then, nobody has. So I'm not sure that this kind of is breaking through to people and there's so much noise, so much clutter on the airways right now. Yeah, it's been staffing levels. It's this new mm -hmm. allegation of a backlog. It's also been uh, the abortion issue that have been the three main things that we've been hearing as central themes in this race. And next week, we'll be sitting down with both of the candidates uh, with Channel 3 here in Madison to do a attorney general's debate. So if you want to learn more about the candidates, that'd be a perfect time to do it as well. Speaking of ad wars, we have some very visual uh, graphics that our team here made uh, with your expertise and uh, numbers in there as well. Um, kind of just to put it into perspective for our viewers of just how much money is being spent and where it's being spent. So let's first start with the governor's race. As you can see, um, when you look at the party breakdown and then the area, of course, Evers is spending more. He has more resources, of course, has a huge help from the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. But what stands out to me here, JR, in the numbers is that Michaels isn't spending hardly anything in the Madison market compared to uh, Evers. Yep. But so this is Ad Impact is a service you can subscribe to that tracks ad buys. Um, these are just in raw dollars, all right? So looking from Tuesday through Election Day, the last three weeks, it's about $16.2 million by Governor Evers and his allies versus nine point four for Tim Michaels and his. Now, that was as of yesterday afternoon. This is I guarantee you it's been updated <laughs> since then. There are new numbers. But um, gross ratings points, 107000 for the Democrats, 62000 for Republicans. It tells you just the number of ads running are heavily in favor of the Democrats. At the same time, there's going to be a fascinating case study in poli-sci poli of does money matter if the environment's not, not with you? So we've talked about turn operations, right, in campaigns. Both parties have done a very good job on how to turn out their people out over the years. I mean, it's not like Republicans forgot in 2018 how to turn people out, or that Democrats forgot in 2014. They've both done great jobs. But turn operations are best when you have the environment and the enthusiasm on your side. TV is just one piece of, like, the operation. There's also door knocking and mail and the phones and everything else. And what I'm getting at is 
On the one hand, give Tony Evers credit in this campaign. They are in a neck and neck race in an environment that seems to be deteriorating for Republicans or Democrats right now. Now, it's still a couple weeks out. Polls are what polls are. Um, things kind of ebb and flow, but looking at the real clear politics average of polls, generic ballot has started to swing toward Republicans' favor. The fact that Evers is neck and neck is probably a sign of the spending. Um, Michaels, if he were to lose, uh, one of the postmortems would be the mistake he made by not going up in the air right after the primary in a heavy way to kind of find himself more before Evers did. But anyway, looking at this spending, it's fascinating to me that all the eggs are in the Milwaukee Green Bay basket, it seems like. And in Madison, which is one of the biggest markets in the state, Michaels is spending less than $40,000 on paid media. Um, now, the other spending you're seeing in uh, Madison from Republicans is from uh, the Republican Governors Association. But Madison is home to a lot of Demo Republicans. Believe it or not, Dane County is one of the biggest producers of Republican votes in a statewide race. Very true. But there are other ways to reach people. Mm -hmm. uh, mail, door knocking, those kinds of things. I'm mean, fascinated to watch the Dane County returns election. I see, does this correlate into re results, right? Did the lack of investment in Dane County in the Madison market hurt Tim Michaels in getting votes out of this market come election night. We will see. These are all bets that they make in campaigns. We only know if they're good bets after it's all over with. But those things that I'm watching there. All right. Uh, now switching over to the same conversation in the U.S. Senate race. Now, it wasn't too long ago, about a week and a half ago, there was kind of whispers, some rumors of some national groups possibly pulling out support for Mandela Barnes because he wasn't performing well in the polls. He had his, his lead after the primary, six or seven points, uh, was essentially evaporated. And Ron Johnson is doing pretty well. Now, there are other internal polls that we've talked about that the Barnes campaign says it's a much closer race. But as you can see here, um, he's doing pretty well. He did get a boost in some funding. And let's just pull up the graphic while we kind of go through the numbers here, JR. So what's interesting here to note, big picture, is that Mandela Barnes and his allies got outspent by Ron Johnson and his from like the primary through just a couple weeks ago. It was a significant, like $7 million. What's significant here is the last three weeks, so week we talked about how Barnes had pulled the parity, right? Here, the last three weeks, Barnes and his allies have actually edged ahead of Johnson and his, 13.6 million to 12.4 million. And in gross ratings points, they also have the edge. My question is, does it matter? Because have voters made up their minds in that race? Are things locked in that Mandela Barnes has been defined? And that's one thing I've heard from insiders is, Ron Johnson won the race to define Mandela Barnes as soft on crime. Can Mandela Barnes change that in the last three weeks? This would be a big part of it, right? I mean, Mandela raised $20 million yeah. In the between July 21st and the end of September, I have never seen a quarter like that or a period like that in a Senate race. Um, phenomenal fundraising. That's helping him level the playing field. We are not seeing the national groups pull out of Wisconsin. Um, there's that chatter you talked about. Right. They're still on there. As the last time I checked, those buys were right, still there. Right. Um, but this is going to be key. Can Mendel Barnes change the trajectory through this ad spending and all the enthusiasm? Barack Obama is coming to Milwaukee next Saturday. Glenn Youngkin is coming to uh, Waukesha and I think Green Bay, too, for Michaels. Uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren, Warren is going to be on the UW-Madison campus on Wednesday. So it's, it's going to be the battle of the surrogates in the next week. <laughs> uh, Bernie Sanders says he's coming to Wisconsin. I'm we not don't sure. know who he's going to be with, yes. though. That's the big lingering <laughs> question. It's, it's also that, that what's fascinating is... 
Joe Biden, uh, President Joe Biden, isn't coming, um, but that's pretty normal. The only state I believe he is going to is Pennsylvania right now. He's just there um, for the Democratic uh, candidate there. Uh, but also, will will the former president, yes. Donald Trump, be coming to Wisconsin? We have never, at least in the public events that the media is able to cover on, on Tim Michael's side, I have not seen him mention Trump's name once. He's not cutting ads saying, I am the Trump-endorsed candidate. Uh, that's something that really changed uh, drastically right after the primary. We don't know if he's coming. I mean, there's rumors out there, mm -hmm. but I, I think it's it's a safe. I, I, we just have to see. I, you know, I think there's maybe he might come, but does the Michaels campaign want him to come? And if he comes, it's likely not going to be in that Waukesha area like he held the event. I'm assuming, mm -hmm. um, like he did in the primary, to get more to the Green Bay or you know um, rural parts of Wisconsin. Um, My to, impression to for Republicans is they don't want him to come back because it makes it more about him. The, mm -hmm. the momentum they feel like is on their side. They like that to stay away. Now, Michaels did cut the couple ads in the primary about Trump looking at ad impact and the ad traffic. Um, that is running or ran at least a little bit this past week up in Wausau, which is where you would think it would because that's kind of Trump territory. One nice thing about these numbers is in Madison, we get a break. Uh, my family lives in Kenosha County. Uh, it is wall-to-wall -wall ads during Packer games oh, yeah. <laughs> that's about all mm -hmm. that they see. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I get the impression that for Michaels, they don't want that distraction. Glenn Youngkin can come in, talk about education. That was the winning formula for him in yep. Virginia. Those kinds of things. He's a more palatable surrogate in Waukesha County than Donald Trump might be closing days of the race. And we kind of teased this earlier in the show that we would recap the governor's debate last Friday because, of course, it happened after we taped the show. So, of course, many of the topics that we thought would be covered, um, not too much news headlines out of it, mm -hmm. but I think what me and you were watching more of is how would they perform in this setting, right? Uh, Michael seemed to get a little better grip on a campaign or a, on a debate stage after the two that he had during the primary. He seemed to have a strong presence. Um, he did thank every panelist. Thank you for the question. So he kind of had some reoccurring themes. Didn't really, once again, mm -hmm. say a lot of details about things. Meanwhile, for Evers, he had a little struggle answering some questions. Um, he kind of stumbled a lot. He didn't have a lot of strong statements that we always call kind of those wow moments. What are going to turn into those possible campaign ads or what we see? I know you and I, at least a lot on Twitter, they will post them, you know, having strong statements on that where kind of a really different tone from what we saw in the Senate debate, but also this was still very much controlled by a moderator. You couldn't really have any follow-ups. Um, some of the newsy things that I'll just uh, talk about real quick is that on abortion, uh, Michael said he wouldn't make it illegal for individuals who want to seek abortions out of state. He said, quote unquote, I'm not going to be this radical guy that does checks on the borders. It's once again, to me, another proof of Michael's trying to soften his stance on the abortion issue, on the topic of guns. Michael said that he has a solution for that. Didn't really say details about that. Um, and then twice he kind of referred to the Evers administration as the Barn Evers administration, mm -hmm. which maybe was on purpose. We're not sure to kind of tie him to that. And then Evers kind of talked about uh, many of the same issues. You know, I'm the education governor. Um, he wants gun reform uh, here in the state. Before I keep blabbling about <laughs> all this recap, let's just hear a little highlight on both candidates talking about elections uh, on that topic. The last election was safe secure and there was not fraud i mean honest to gosh 
There's one reason that people are concerned about it is we have people like my opponent that continue to talk about massive fraud without having any any idea or any any spe specifics. We are it was it was safe, fair, and and we we can have confidence in in our election. You know when when someone talks about issues are, are like this uh, around they they don't know if they're going to certify the, the the present election. Certification is something the governor does. They do it in a very specific way. When my opponent says, well, I'm not sure if the legislature sends me something that says that, that uh, Biden lost and Trump won, I don't know if I'm going to sign that. Well, you have to. That's part of the process. Voting rights are on this ballot. To clarify, uh, you need to go a little bit further than your question. There is a nonpartisan legislative commission that did find that illegal voting did happen in the last election. They also found out that clerks were given illegal uh, guidance by the Wisconsin Elections Commission. Look, I I'm a candidate today. I wish all these election integrity issues were fixed in previous administrations, but they weren't. I will make sure that once I'm governor, we never have these questions again about election integrity. I will work with the legislature. We will get these bills right. The bills that Governor Evers vetoed, and we will make sure that people don't have any more questions about things like out-of-state billionaires coming in and taking over our election process, the Zuckerbucks. I'll make sure that the ballot harvesting stops. I'll make sure that we stop the indefinitely confined status. Under a Governor Michaels administration, we will never have questions. And of course, therefore, I will certify any elections after I'm elected governor. It was the first and only debate that voters will get to watch if they want to watch again. Uh, but I think both campaigns are just glad that this is over with. <laughs> we talked to it beforehand. Um, they wanted to, they're not the best orators mm -hmm. and they want to avoid a big mistake. I mean the closest thing that we came to a small issue was maybe uh, Michael was talking about how COVID created a lazy class of people in Wisconsin. Wasn't something going to reach like a TV ad type moment. Um, the governor somewhat surprisingly had trouble stringing together like several deep kind of really make his points. I mean he's been governor for almost four years was dep uh, state superintendent for two or three terms before that. Like, yeah. it was kind of surprising not to have, like, these talking points down of, here's my argument, here are three details of, like, why I'm the best pick kind of thing. But again, for Evers, it was avoiding a major gaffe that goes in a TV ad, period. Michael's didn't offer any specifics. There's no real depth to his, his answers other than failed leadership by Evers, bold leadership by me, I'm going to shake things up. That was the extent of his, I mean, I'm oversimplifying, but that was his main argument, right? And again, as the challenger, that's what he has to do. And his, his folks felt like he did what he had to do. Like, he accomplished that. They were happy with the performance um, because of that. They just avoided any big mistakes. There wasn't, like, the cleanup, like, after the two primary ones about Trump or elections, like there was back in July and August. They felt like they got through it just fine. Again, I don't know anything changed because of that debate, especially with the numbers we talked about, the campaign ad war. People see that much more than how many of us who watched the debate on Friday night in October? That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, the timing of it, too. I mean, it is re-aired on many of the uh, TV stations as well. And I think also a central theme, of course, is they try to convince voters, you know, I'm the right pick, he's the wrong pick, vice yep. versa. All right, let's get to stock picks this week. We have rising this week super mega donor Diane Hendricks. So uh, dorks like me check these finance reports all the time. Uh, there's this PAC that's been doing ads praising Ron Johnson. Look at the new filing from Wisconsin Truth Pack. Diane Hendricks was giving by herself $15.9 million in September to this pack, just that one pack. Um, looking at her spending overall, 
we're well in the 20s. I'm still trying to figure out from the FEC, like get a good list of what she's given so far this cycle. It just goes to show you what the influence these donors can have. Now, the Democrats are going to say, well, of course she's doing this because she benefited from Ron Johnson's uh, tax break that he pushed through, that kind of stuff. Hendricks is a mega donor. She is a major reason why that PAC is doing so much for Ron Johnson, going after Mandela Barnes. Don't forget in 2016, she also is a big benefactor for groups that went, that went to bat for Ron Johnson when he was abandoned by others. She's not alone. Dick Uline, Liz Uline. I mean, there are people who have a lot of money who give big money to campaigns. Don't forget, too, the Democrats aren't, like, poor when it comes <laughs> to big money donors. Right. Let's point that out, yes. <laughs> state part, Democratic Party has benefited greatly from a number of donors from out of state who are giving them half a million bucks at a time, which they can then put into candidates like Tony Evers. I mean, these guys just have, they have major influence because they have money. Now, the question is, why do they give? And I've asked this question, and on the one hand, there is, well, there's a benefit to them, right? I mean, tax structure, business rules, there's a benefit to them. But also, when you have that much money, you just ha- can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. <laughs> so you have the ability. Power of hopefully influencing certain things. Sir. Yeah. And there's a, mm-hmm. there's a certain attraction to be able to be, be that kind of an influencer. All right. And mixed this week is the state tax burden. So Wisconsin Policy Forum does an annual look at how our state and local tax burden is doing. So the good news is that as a share of personal income, it's down, uh, it's below the national average. The flip side is we've actually gone up in terms of rankings, the highest tax burden from 24th and 19th to 18th in 2020, but that's because our economy did well during the pandemic. So it's just really kind of like yin and yang of what's going on. Our economy did, was actually, the forum talked about us, our economy did okay during the pandemic. Compared to other states, I think 25 states had revenues go up during the pandemic. We are one of them. Part of why we have a $5 billion plus surplus projected right. right now because of all the money pumped in the economy uh, by the federal government. So uh, what to watch for going forward is a couple of things. One, uh, this is through calendar year 2020. We have new tax cuts approved in the 21-23 budget. They'll start to hit more in the future years. Um, but the ranking, like how we fare, depends on how other states do. This is why we did went up was because other states didn't raise as much revenue or collect as much as we did during the pandemic. Um, watching to in the next biennium, what's going to happen with tax structure in Wisconsin? Will we see move toward a flat tax, eliminating the income tax, or will we have Democratic Governor Tony Evers reelected, then have another back and forth between him and Republican lawmakers about how much to cut middle class income taxes? And who's going to take credit for it? <laughs> One thing that totally dork observation. I will be fascinated if it's Evers again, if he actually veto the next budget. That's a conversation for down the road, right, but right, right, yeah. a whole different topic to get to someday. But there's a really interesting dynamic to watch that when you're uh, going forward with that. And we know uh, Tim Michaels has said that he wants massive tax reform, mm-hmm. but still just minimal details, so we don't know what that looks like yet. And then following this week, we got about two minutes left, uh, JR, is Adam Steen. He was uh, the candidate that challenged Assembly Speaker Robin Voss in the primary he lost, and he is now running as a, uh, a writing candidate. So uh, lesson one in politics, don't piss off your staff. Um, Adam Steen uh, had this system apparently where they're recording their calls. Well, a bunch of staffers left. Uh, because they had some disagreements with Mr. Steen and leaked the audio of those calls to Wisconsin right now, which then did summaries of these calls, disparages uh, women, disparages other people. He has conversations with lots of folks, saying a lot of bad things about a lot of people. Not a great look. Now, we've talked before, the power of the media is somewhat limited in terms of, like, 
unless it's in an ad, you know, people aren't going to really see a lot of this stuff. But it kind of tells you the uh, problems of this campaign that everybody was leaving, right? Got disillusioned with them. And two, writing campaigns don't work. I mean, we haven't seen it yet. I'll be fascinated to see if this one has any success because there is some movement about like using stickers on ballots to help people write their write no, uh, their votes in. But according to the Reference Bureau, there's not been a successful writing campaign for legislature going back to at least 1940. That's wow. as far back as they could go looking for me one day. Thank you, Reference Bureau. Appreciate the effort. Um, they don't work. If Democrats were smart, by the way, or really I should say if they were invested in this race, they would have told Joel Jacobson, who's also running a writing campaign, not to run. They would have said, Joel, you sit this one out. We're going to have all our, all of our people to go vote for Adam Steen just to toy with Robin Voss. But you have Joel Jacobson running a mountain writing campaign and Adam Steen and Robin Voss, the only guy on the on ballot. On a ballot, right. So it's probably not a winning formula. Um, also, by the way, you look at those uh, transcripts of these calls, not great news for Chuck Wickers and Janelle Branchin, both of whom are talking to Steen and saying things that, Probably won't go well with Robin Voss, assuming he's a speaker again next session. Oh, by the way, Michael Gableman, who was working for Robin Voss, was also talking to Steen quite a bit and bad-mouthing people. Not the best look for Gableman yet again. All right. Well, that will do it for this week in uh, politics. Thanks for joining us so much. I'm Emily Fannin. I'm J.R. Ross. We will see you next week. This program was brought to you from Wisconsin Eyes Margaret Farrow Studio.